To Rainbow Beach, to the Switch, and everything in between. I'm gonna have fun, and you're gonna have fun. They're a funny day. Go and have fun now. Your new local. You're gonna love this place. It's the Rush Hour with Liesl Jones, Liam, and Dobbo. Happy Thursday, podcast family. Triple M's Rush Hour with Liesl Jones, Liam, and Dobbo here. Uh, the week. I mean, can you believe it's we're almost mid-November? Crazy. What are we, what are we today? The ninth. 9th of November. Christmas is so soon. 20 days, 21 days. Actually, I'm looking forward to the Black Friday sales before Christmas. Yes. I need, there's quite, I've got a list of things I need to get. to go shopping and then you're off the boat. Yeah, 21 days till I'm on a plane. My oh. daughter has started insisting on Christmas songs before um, school. On mm-hmm. the drive to school now, we play Christmas songs. And she actually said to me, she said, Dad, Christmas is my favorite out of Christmas Easter, Halloween, and my birthday, Christmas is my favourite. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's like your mother. She's mad for Christmas. I love Christmas too. The women in my life aren't my concern right now. It's my son. It's my three-year-old, Mac. Beautiful kid. You still upset with you for cheating? Probably. He's not mad. He's just disappointed. He's just disappointed. And there's nothing like a three-year-old disappointment. But my concern with him right now is his toilet technique. (laughs) So... uh, Liesl, this you would you would have a surface understanding of this, but boys and girls go to the toilet differently, right? Oh, I didn't <laughs> notice at all. I didn't know. Dobbo and I do it different. We stand up, and the, you can do it sitting down. You, well, you can. That's right. But uh, at the moment, Mac is at an age where uh, he he still does bushwees. It's still okay for him at three years of age to go and stand in front of a bush if we're somewhere and go to the toilet. Mm. It's great. <laughs> My concern is at the end of the toilet pit stop because he knows he has to shake. Yeah. You know, he get loves the dribble shaking. Out. Exactly. Get the dribble out. But Mac's shake isn't so much a, uh, like when you turn off the hose and give it a little bit of a flick. Mac's shake is more of a guitar strum. <laughs> Whoops. Gives it a real, like, from head height all the way down. It's a little bit aggressive. I will say this. <laughs> Yeah, learn these things off one person, and that's your father. All these oh. things come from, this is a learnt lesson. Well, Old Qatar asked here, he's been f- strumming it for years. I look forward to meeting Mac's real father, because <laughs> he didn't oh. learn that technique from me. Isn't it a case of if you jiggle it three times, it's too much, you're oh, playing with Liesl, it. Liesl, please. The big story today. The Queensland government is paving the way for a radical school timetable shake-up. Public primary and secondary schools have been given the green light to get this. Introduce four-day weeks and shorter days. What the hell? (laughs) Come on. Disaster. I love the idea of a four-day work week. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Keep the kids in school, though. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. What's going on? Me as a parent, we battle with the school pickups and drop-off time. Yeah. What what are are they thinking? I battle with school teachers to start off with. Seriously. Well, we we need to get an understanding of why this uh, new proposal has actually come in. So we bring in uh, Jess Millwood from Nine News. Jess, what is going on with the Queensland schools? Well, I mean, would a seven-day school week be too much to ask for? No, sometimes (laughs) the devil is in the detail, and that is the case with this one. So parents can breathe a sigh of relief. The kids won't be going to school four days a week from next year. But what this has really opened up is the opportunity for schools across Queensland to operate more flexible learning hours. And, I mean, if COVID has taught us anything is that we can do that, be it in the work and also at schools. So the state government has given schools guidelines 
on the criteria they need to meet if they want to change schooling hours. Plenty of schools are already doing this. The Gap State High, they finish early on a Monday, while Varsity Secondary College on the Gold Coast, they finish early on a Friday. And Corinda, when you talk about four-day schooling weeks, Corinda State High School is currently consulting with the schooling community about allowing grade 11 and 12s to have one day off learning a week. Stop it. But, but on that fifth day, those students would be expected to be doing classes from home or doing work experience <laughs> or doing taste. So it gives them an opportunity to, I guess, get a taste of working life. Oh, but no, is... don't worry. The seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kids are not going to be doing four four-day schooling week. I nearly had, conni- Thank you, Jess. I nearly had a conniption because, I mean, I've got seven-month-olds and I'm just thinking, holy hell, this is going to cost more daycare. Jess, what, what was wrong with what, – what is wrong with a five-day school week? Like, in, in all seriousness, how, how has this come about? Because we all did a five-day school week. The teachers get more holidays than any other people who are employed in the community. I understand that kids – you know, I get it. But seriously, what, what, is it broken? Is it that broken it needs to be changed? I mean, you couldn't pay me enough to be a teacher, though. They might get holidays, but there is no way I could do that job. It's a sign of the times. Times are moving on from when we were kids, Dobbo, and it it is moving to more flexible working hours, and the minister acknowledged that, and she said if schools want to bring forward innovative proposals or different ways of doing things, then she's open to that, but what they're really trying to do is provide guidelines and just make sure schools aren't you know, leaving kids unsupervised and saying, well, we're going to finish school at midday today, get yourselves home. So it's about, I guess, giving schools a framework to work between. But I think we are going to see things changing because of COVID. You know, we saw that online learning worked. So that's going to be embraced more and more, I think. And part of this as well is addressing the teacher shortage issue because some schools just can't simply find enough teachers to fill those full contact hours. So it may mean that a teacher zooms in from another state to teach a particular class. Well, I so, mean, Jess, the easy, the easy way around it is just to become an Olympic swimmer, and that way you don't even have to finish school. No. You just, you just bail We were in. doing that before it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just yeah. took the whole two years off and yeah, so yeah, just didn't exactly finish. Right. Uh, well, Jess Millwood from Channel 9, we appreciate you explaining this a little bit. We are going to open up the phones, though, because I reckon parent, I'd be fascinated to hear from teachers. I'd love to get their perspective on this idea of a flexible working week, and I would love to hear from the parents as well. Mm. We might have to be uh, putting up with little Johnny or Sarah coming home at Hanging midday out at on shops. Wednesday. <laughs> uh, Jess Mill with Channel 9 News. We appreciate your, all your insight on this one. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. But seriously, one triple three five three. School teachers, be fascinated to know if you think this is a necessary step. And parents, one triple three five three. The thought of your child just hanging around the house. Luckily, your oldest is finishing this Yeah, year. I mean, no good can come of children at home. I mean, <laughs> Dobbo fixed that. He sent him to boarding school. <laughs> Rush out, Triple M. Ray and Jim Boomba, good afternoon. Hey, how you going? What do you think about this? A four-day school week. Look, I already have, I have a serious concern about it because what about parents that work five days a week? Yep. Okay. What about single mums that are already pushing the envelope with employers if their child is sick and they have to leave work? They're going to be out of a job because an employer won't be able to say, oh, yeah, you can have a day off, along with the fact that we already have a youth crime issue 
what are we going to do? Just put more kids out there to roam the streets and cause drama unsupervised because parents are at work? It's, 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 thank you for your call, Ray, and it is an interesting flag. Three flags at a really, really valid yeah, point. So, yeah. yeah, Jason from Brenda, good afternoon. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm good, team. How's everybody else there? Really yeah, well, good, mate. Jason. Really well. What's your thoughts on this? Mate, uh, I think a change is worth giving it a crack. I mean, in, in from my perspective, I've got three kids. My eldest is 24. He left school when he was um, 16 because school wasn't for him. Yep. I think the fact that um, schooling hasn't changed in 30 years, 40 years, and kids are just learning differently. Every child learns differently, and you can't expect all of them to go in and sit in a room in a regimented, regimented type and all learn the same way. You're going to have kids that are going to get uncomfortable or bored, and they're labelled troublemakers. So I think making a change is is good. Let's let's explore different ways to make education better for the children. Yeah, that's a good point, Jason. It's a good point, Jason, because um, TAFE as well. If it gives you the opportunity to explore getting accredited in mm. being an electrician or yeah. something different, and that can work for some people. Yeah. Kay in North Lakes, what do you think of this four day school week? Um, I actually, I'm a teacher, um, so I actually teach high school, so basically I don't think kids should actually have a four-day school week. I think the teachers should have, like, still a five-day work week, but one day is just purely administration so that we can actually catch up on work in between because at the moment our breaks are split between, like, 40 minutes and it's normally emailing parents. Um, Yeah, so basically I think, you know, if we actually organise our timetabling, the teachers could have like an admin day instead of a four-day work week. But um, what we could actually have for older kids is actually that chance to go into more like case-style subjects. But we already do that um, when some students who can't actually or don't want to do the university route can actually start going to TAFE and do Year 11 and Year 12 at the same time, and we give them that time off. But government-wise, we have to have a certain number of hours for kids to study. So I think it's a double-edged sword, but you know, at least maybe make teachers' lives easier by giving us an actual day of admin we would actually have probably more teachers on staff. Mm, true. Yeah, it's, uh, the teacher really shortage point. is a serious part of this. We've got time for one more call. We've got Sammy in Kashmir. Sammy, your thoughts on the four-day or the proposed four-day work uh, school week? Uh, hi, guys. Uh, I'm a teacher as well. Just listening to that last teacher, she's got some brilliant ideas as well. Um, look, it has its positives and its negatives. I'm in primary school. Uh, we face at our school quite a number of bad behaviours and things. Um, it could be a, a lot better for those challenging children. It could be negative for those challenging children to actually get them to school. The thing that I heard on the radio that annoyed me was the fact that the teachers get too many holidays as it is. Let's just back off the teachers for a little while, I think. This has just come out today. Let's sit down. Let's have a positive talk about it. There will be negatives about it as well, but let's just give us teachers a, a bit of a go. It we was- think given the hard goes all the time, and that's a possibility of why teachers are resigning from this profession. Why are they resigning? Why are they resigning, Sammy? Because I've got two teachers in my family. Why are they resigning? Uh, Number one, discipline of the children. We don't find that we can do that anymore. We don't have parents supporting us. Yep. Um, And you can't say, 
administration don't support because they do what they can do, but their hands are also tied. Isn't there a um, shortage of teachers? Isn't there a shortage of teachers across the state? And that's more a political thing that there was promises made, and and that's the reason why because you're so understaffed. Look, I think you've got to be careful about saying a political thing. Teaching is not about politics. Teaching is about children and learning. Yes, it does become a little bit political when they say we're going to give you teachers. However, where are they? Who wants to be a teacher mm. today? When you see my colleagues coming home with bruises, chairs being thrown at wow. them, things wow. like that, you've got to really sit back and say, well, what can we do to our system? It, our system is broken and we need to fix it. Mm. We, need, we need to sit down logically and if this is a step that logically can happen, then I am all for it. However, it has to be a slow system and I think with the news coming out today, everyone just needs to back off and just let the process run and leave us teachers alone for a little bit because we have only just found out about it as well. Yeah. All right, Sammy, thank you very much for your call. Thanks for sharing, us, uh, sharing your thoughts on the issue with us. Thank you. I'm very passionate about being oh, a teacher no. and I'm sure all teachers out there are. So yep. We need more of you, Sammy. Big story about to break. Back page of the paper tomorrow morning. I'm having conversations with the present moment at first right here on the rush hour. This is Dobbo's Mail. Sometimes you think coaches have the real say um, around the competition. And when the coaches come together, especially Wayne Bennett, you sometimes think they listen. Well, they haven't listened on this case. And that's the start of origin. Now, we all know that every single NRL coach, as much as they want to love start of origin, Really hate it because it can change your season and your stars because all your good players are obviously gone for a period of six weeks. They're at risk of injury, burnout, they come back. So they wanted a four-week origin period, 10-day lead up, then week on week and have them the three done. So they went to the NRL. They had this grand plan, 10-week lead up for the first game one. Then after that, Saturday, Wednesday, Wednesday, we're done. It's all over. NRL said, nope. Not going to happen. Rejected it, which was – and Wayne Bennett, I spoke to him this morning, very frustrated about it. And so what they've done is they've now come out and they've announced off the back of the start of origin, no, we won't be doing a four-week start of origin. It's going to be six weeks, and here are the dates. So we know that Queensland get a home game, New South Wales get a home game, and there's always one abroad. This year it's at the MCG. Um, that's where game two will be played. So the dates are – and this is going to be very difficult for Queensland to go for a three-peat because – they're going to have to win on the road at least once. And their record in at the MCG is poor. Mm. Um, I think they've only won once since 1995 at that ground. Uh, they'll be playing first the first game at a core stadium on June the 5th and the second game at um, at the MCG. Um, okay. and then So the series opens in Sydney? Series opens at a core stadium in Sydney. And then on the 26th of June, they'll be at the MCG. Right? So... We know what Sydney is, how hard Sydney is to win for for Queensland. Mm. They, they they haven't won there. They, how many they, games have they played State of Origin at the MCG? Uh, probably 10. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. like probably 10 games over the period of time. Yeah, maybe seven or something, but they've, they've had no luck there. I've been there. So I've been Queensland there three times. back-to-back series winners. They're the, one of the last two times, and they've got to start this year's series in Sydney or next year's series in Sydney. On the 5th. Then it's off to Melbourne, and yep. then it's on the to Suncorp Stadium for the On the, the 17th third. of July. It sounds like someone wants to put a little... Spanner well, in the what works. What are you suggesting, Jane? Well, it just sounds like they're not happy that Queensland keep winning it. They're like, well, let's make it trickier. Are you saying the fix is in? N- yeah, maybe. 
Conspiracy Liesel. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that they're not happy and they just want to see. They want it a bit fairer, so they're going to make it harder for us. You saying the NRL, the yeah. powers that be, Peter Volandis and yeah. Andrew Abdo, are yeah. leaning, don't want another Queensland no. dynasty. Why would you if you're from New South Wales? Yeah, well, that's... You would do anything to stop Queensland and they're a powerhouse. I remember the eight in a row. You would do anything. I was part of this year when there was eight in a row. The draw for the NRL for your purists, that'll come out on Monday. The CEOs were given the draw yesterday. I'm at... I can't talk about a lot of the games, but there was massive blow-ups from Queensland sides. The Queensland CEOs, collectively, two clubs in Brisbane... Blew up the lux, and you'll understand when the draw comes out on Monday. I, so, I'm not, see, I'm not, yeah, that, NRL out to get Queensland. They don't say, like us. I love how you've said the two clubs in Brisbane, like <laughs> as though not naming the Broncos and the Dolphins somehow makes it a mystery. <laughs> they are un, very unhappy Could be about North a certain Queensland game. Cowboys. Could be the Titans. Everybody will understand when the draw comes out, but they're very upset about All one right. game. I love it. We've got a chip on our shoulder for the State of Origin series in 2024, and they've only named the dates. This is great. Conspiracy, Lisa. I think this might I'm be. New segment. Here comes the money. Show me the money. Telling me. Three. $90. The Triple M Rush Hours Garage Sale Challenge. Two sleeps to go until the Triple M Garage Sale Challenge. Uh, the three of us heading out this weekend to garage sales in our area, and we are seeing basically who can come back with the best value for money. Can I just uh, highlight my commitment to this garage sale mm-hmm. trail? That sure. I refuse to fly back from Melbourne on Friday on Saturday morning. I'm coming back Friday night so I can be there for the opening of this garage sale well, that I want to go early. to. Yeah, you well, it's starting at 7, so yeah. I can't be late. The, this is it. This weekend, the three of us taking on this challenge. We've got $50 to spend. Next week, we will have a professional join us in studio to judge who has scored treasure out of the trash of the garage sales. But we wanted to uh, get some actual experts in to talk about this. Brad and Jazz. They are the two Aussie thrifters. They have over 10,000 YouTube subscribers. They run an eBay warehouse. They made $700,000 last year buying and reselling uh, things guy. from garage sales and such. Guy. And they also, they also bloody love a garage sale. I'm about to show you some of our recent garage sale finds you might recognize from our videos the last couple of weeks that have sold over the weekend. Our vintage Hot Wheels track sold for $79.95 plus post. A Nintendo DS Lite bundle sold for $157.50. And we've already shipped a Zelda game that came with this as well for $64. And my Japanese hanging flatware has been snapped up for $59.95 plus post. We love garage sale season. Money to be made in garage sales according to the two Aussie thrifters. And we are joined by one of the thrifters. Jazz joins us on the line. Good afternoon, Jazz. Welcome to the Rush Hour. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Garage sales a serious business. Uh, how competitive are people? Because mine starts at 7am. Do I need to be there at 6am and bashing down their door? I definitely don't recommend bashing down <laughs> anybody's door, but it is good to be there nice and early because you don't want to miss out. What should we be looking for and what are the hidden gems that most people don't know? Oh, I'm excited for you guys. <laughs> this is going to be excellent. Look, if you turn up at a garage sale and somebody's selling their Rolex watch, you've already won. Yeah, true. <laughs> Ooh, okay. But things that we're probably looking out for that people might overlook is like your old chunky electronics that probably they seem like they're totally useless now. I promise that people are still using them. So like an old telephone or something like that? I would probably be looking for things that are um your 
good brands like Sony and Panasonic that were built to last. Mm -hmm. And so they probably survived being in the back of the cupboard. And I'm talking like um, your handy cams that people used to take on holidays to film their family holiday. Yes. No way. Or your old VHS recorders. You know that big clunky machine that, that you used to yeah. pop tape in? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's not no. where my mind was what going. What about for a this rice weekend. maker? Like I love a rice cooker. If you love rice, then. <laughs> I love a rice cooker. Are we talking with about sale value? No, no, I'm talking about you can. When somebody's selling a rice cooker, there's mm-hmm. bloody in the water. You kick them when they're down, and you might get it for five bucks. You can resale that. I'm reckoning like seventy to ninety dollars. I've never sold a rice cooker myself, but I would not write that off. Thank you. Oh, there you Thanks. go, Jazz. Just excuse me for a second, Dobby. You understand the point of this challenge is to, to buy My something treasure. that our professional valuer w- next week will come in and say, yeah, that's worth a lot of money. Well, the rice cooker might be. This is not about feeding your family. Jazz, it's all about the buy price, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is about the buy price. If you spend too much, it doesn't matter if you've got the highest value item, if you blew all your money to get it. I okay, get it. now, Jazz, you've, you've given us an area to work in electronics, good name brand electronics. That's a good start. What's the procedure for haggling? at a garage sale. Haggling is a whole culture and you've hit on something important there. This is someone's personal items and we definitely want to respect that. But you know, some people love a haggle and if you're hosting a garage sale, you might be the type of person who's pretty happy to have a bit of banter and negotiate. There is an etiquette though. You definitely, um, you're not trying to, you know, get them on the ground and kick them. You can have a bit of back and forth and come to something that works for both parties. Cash normally flushes them out, don't Mm. worry. (laughs) Any other final tips from you as a professional thrift shopper uh, that can help us with our garage sale challenge this weekend? Look, you've got to have a strategy, but I would say utilise the garage sale trail map because this is where everybody is advertising their garage sales and showing off what types of things they have. And then be there, you know, politely early, not okay. an hour early. Yes. I'm always very polite and I'm very yeah. prompt. I do have my eye on one and it has listed the items Where's that they it have sold. I'm not telling you. Oh, come oh, on, really? nah, you already know what's already listed. So, I, And I've got my eye on something very specific from that list. This is very organised by Joan. She's yeah. way more organised than you and I are, uh, Dobby. Uh, Jazz, one half of the two Aussie thrifters. You can check them out on YouTube if you're into this sort of stuff and uh, you know, there's been that many TV shows made about this, people buying and reselling stuff. So it is well worth a look out. Two Aussie thrifters. Go and check them out on YouTube. Jazz, good, best of luck to you over the weekend on the Garage Sale Trail, and uh, we'll keep you posted on the results of our challenge. Thank you. Good luck to all of you. Earlier on this week, we were having a conversation about a couple of young criminals. Let's call them what they are because they got done stealing cars. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, they they pinched a car from Mudraba. And, allegedly. Allegedly. And then were allegedly spotted, <laughs> allegedly washing said stolen which car. I, which I love. They took it to the car wash. They took it to the car wash. And it was a friend of the owner of the car who spotted them, spotted that it was his friend's car and, and shouted out and they ran off and they got, anyway, they got, they got pinched and they're dealing with the consequence of their actions. We had that conversation because it's just, I mean... It showed their inexperience as criminals, really. Yeah. Very thoughtful well, to wash it, but you're going to get spotted. I don't think they had intentions on returning it anyway. No. But after we had that conversation, we received a phone call from uh, Marky in Burley. So we've brought him back. Marky, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. All right, mate. Now, listen, obviously, this they were stupid criminals, the ones that took the car to the car wash, and, and you've got a, a stupid crim story that led to a obviously a conviction and, and an uncovery of a theft. Yep. 
Do you want to share it? <laughs> so this uh, person one night hooked up uh, a boat trailer and boat and drove off. And then a cop stopped me. Oh, pulled him over and went, where are you off to? And he goes, oh, I'm going home. And he goes, well, my home's that way. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, that's my boat. Stop it. He stole a cop's he boat. He stole a police officer's <sighs> tinny. And you happened to see it. And the police officer pulled over the same bloke with a tinny. Yeah. Well, that's unlucky. It, do you want to know what's even worse? Go what? on. Is my brother. <laughs> what? Hold on. The bloke that stole the boat was your brother? Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, now well. that's dumb. Yeah. Right, did he get charged? What happened? Did the police officer? Yeah, say I believe just... so. Yeah, oh. I believe so. I yeah. don't really have a lot to do with him. No, rightly that so. That is weird. Yeah, and not it, it made um and 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 Christchurch um they have what they call the odd spot, so it's you know like a funny story, and that made the odd spot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you did in New Zealand. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, that's not a smart move, is it? No. No, it wasn't a tinny either. It was a nice fiberglass. <gasps> oh. Okay. Oh. Okay. Well, good luck for him. At least he's got exquisite taste. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for the call, you, Marky. Marky. Um, yeah. yeah, that's well, dumb. We don't think of thieves typically as the smartest, but gee, they do some that's, dumb things. That's not smart. That's not smart. Well, look, let's see if there's more. Okay. Like I, I, I know a bloke. <laughs> it's funny when you do things, and, and there's a story that goes forever. But my uncle. Um, Uncle David, when he was younger, he used to go to Paddy's Markets. In Sydney, there's oh, a big yeah, thing called yeah. Paddy's mm-hmm. Markets. And he was a triathlete. He's done Kona. He's done every, you name it, he's achieved it. So this bloke decided to do like oh. a pinch off, <gasps> off his store. He had a store there they were selling on weekends. Mm-hmm. Well, what they didn't know that he was an animal like fitness and he just ran him down. <laughs> and he was a dumb criminal because he thought he could outrun my uncle. You don't un- outrun a triathlete uh, when you're committed. Oh. You know, true story to this. We all call him Dinosaur David, now our Uncle Dinosaur, because of that. Like you know, because of, yeah. But also, you can't see the engine under all of that. Like that would have he would have been dressed in normal clothes. Yeah, Yeah. but I would one triple three five three. Have you got any other dumb crim stories out there? Have you, as your brother, as somebody you know, uh, committed a crime that you just look back on and go, Why would he do? How did you think you would get away with this? Yeah, give us a call one triple three five three. Taking your calls next. Rush hour triple M. Lee from Robertson, good afternoon. Um, have you encountered a dumb criminal? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I worked for a company a few years ago that always sold cars and stuff, and this guy decided to take a Commodore, and um, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, he's driving around the streets of Redcliffe and got pulled up by the police, and the copper said, oh, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm just heading home. He goes, oh, you road testing in the car because he still had the for sale stuff and all the stuff in the car yard all on the windscreen. So, <laughs> so yeah, forgot, forgot to take that when he knocked it off. <laughs> uh, it probably has a and temporary that, plate too. Yeah, it's, it's, the thing with it was that um, the company that I worked for at the time, we didn't realise until about 11 o'clock when the police rang up and said, oh, we've got one of your cars stolen. We didn't even know it had been stolen out of the oh. yard. <laughs> oh, very I nice, do like Lee. when it had the price all over yeah. the front. Brad from Yarra. $39,990. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a bargain. Brad from Yarra Bilba, do you know a dumb crim? Yeah, back in, uh, I'm pretty sure it was early 90s. Can't remember if it was Bogger Road or David Longland. Uh, yep. I had a neighbour who actually escaped prison with uh, one postcard bandit. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he um, he's escaped with a, got to know Brendan for 
quite well in jail. He was a neighbour of mine, and uh, he has escaped with Brendan and drove straight home and got arrested the next day. Oh, see? <laughs> see, he broke out and went straight home. Nah. But they'll never go there. They'll never check where I live. Just sometimes you need a home-cooked <laughs> meal. Yeah. It's like it's like hide-and-seek and hiding under the couch. First place you look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Matty from Palm Beach, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Matty. Hi. How are you? You got a, you got a story? Yes, I do. Um, I know someone that was, well, they thought they, they were running from the police, but they turned out they weren't even following him. And then he jumped into the police headquarters on oh. trying to run away from them. <laughs> I'm here. Can we just step through this, please, Matt? So first of all, this person thought they were being chased by the cops when they, in fact, were, weren't. weren't. Uh, had they done yeah. something which would have justified being pursued? Um, oh, I don't, I'm on the phone to the radio. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, well, I don't know, but they okay. just seen them in the area. And, and they then panicked. They drove off. Oh, yeah, they ran off, sorry. And he jumped and then ran into, into the cop shop. Did he get arrested? Um, well, he ended up getting done for trespassing. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> but wasn't being chased by them anyway. Thanks, Matty. Brent from Burley, do you know a dumb crim? Good afternoon, guys. I sure do. Uh-huh. Back in the uh, back in the early nineties, uh, me and a few mates went to a big uh, pub in Melbourne, where we were living at the time. Uh, had a massive car park had a McDonald's in the corner of the main road in the car park itself. We came out at about eleven p.m. and sort of go to the car, and only to find that the car's not there. We're scratching our heads looking around, and sure enough, there's the car going through the drive-through with the creams <laughs> in it, just, just getting a quick. Just getting a quick happy meal. So, needless to say, we uh, we went full sprint and uh, and retrieved the car from them. They <laughs> steal the car, but we're hungry. We need to get something before need we to go just drive go through. Off. Like you could have gone to the drive through like two suburbs <laughs> over, but no, no, the one closest. You oh, idiot. Well the, well, the upside is that the the engine was warm and the chips were hot as well. <laughs> Triple M. It is really exciting that we get to welcome onto the show for the very first time the newly crowned Queensland Australian of the Year for 2024, Marco Renee. Marco, welcome to the Rush Hour. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Uh, congratulations. Um, you obviously won the Australian of the Year for Queensland for being founder of Men of Business. Can you explain to all the listeners and to us what Men of Business is? actually is and what you're striving to achieve? Men of Business started 13 years ago uh, when a few men actually sat around a table and decided that they wanted to help out with youth at risk from disengaging in education. And we set up a program that would basically run all over sort of southeast Queensland, supporting young boys on an eight-week program, talking about passion, trust, respect, inner strength, anger and emotion. After about eight years of service with thousands of boys coming through in 2018, uh, we raised a million dollars to build our own school because the need was just so big. And we opened our school in 2020 and we currently have 200 boys that are disengaged, whether that be through school, through government services, or just uh, boys who enrol themselves um, without parents or guardians. And we put them through education on a two-year life skill program and re-engage into life, re-engage into jobs and pathways and, yeah, hopefully just support their futures. Wow, Marco, you're such an inspiring person and the changes you would be making in these children's to be men's lives uh, must be quite extraordinary for you. But you had your own issues as a teenager in school. Does that give you a unique insight into what these kids and men are going through? 
Oh, look, the, the honest truth is when you hear these kids' stories, you realise that they just didn't fit the box. I mean, I suppose the problem being is that when you don't fit the box, you don't feel like you belong and then you don't start to care about community or society or anything along those lines. And I just learned very quickly that, you know, I was, I was lucky. I might not fit the box, but I still had a family. I still had food on the table. I didn't have the trauma that these boys deal with. So you get through it okay. But what I learned very quickly was that through love and support, you can change their path, you can change their futures. And it's just proven over and over again when you love and support these youth. They're just looking for a place to belong. They're looking for a safe place and, uh, and people who understand. More importantly, you know, re-engage them into the community and you know, use their talents and their gifts to make a difference. Marco, I don't want to get political, but what everything you say to me resonates with me. And I've got an 18-year-old son and I've seen so many different kids who have gone through tougher times and some of them have gone to the Northern Territory and they, they've got to work at Some have joined the Army. But at the moment, we have this youth crime issue at the present moment where there are young men who are re-offending. And have you weighed in on this with the government? Look, I haven't so much had the opportunity to weigh in on it, but I suppose the reality is my story and and what I believe in is love and support. So, you know, once we actually find the right support model for them, we care about them, we support them with our mentoring and opportunity. I've just seen firsthand how these lives change and how our youth come back around because the reality is it doesn't take too much to sit there and listen to these young boys who have gone through the trauma they've gone through, have had to deal with everything they've dealt with, whether it be broken homes, or, you know, mental health, whatever it is that has it led them to the situation they're in, until we love them and support them and find them a place to belong, we're not changing it with a bigger stick. You know, we want to prevent where we're going. And every time we think that, you know, a harder line in justice, these boys don't care. I've got endless stories of these boys telling me, Mark, I don't even care about myself. I don't even love myself. Why would I even bother, you know, why am I going to change? So, you know, the, the issue is is actually getting them to believe and love themselves and who they are and, and feel like they belong. Then we can layer in the education. Then we can layer in the jobs and, and bringing them back into community. But for me, it's about love and support. We'll change their futures. What a wonderful message. Marco awesome. Renee, the Queensland Australian of the Year. And you say you haven't had a chance to weigh in on those issues uh, as yet, Marco. I reckon given your new title, you might just be getting a phone call in the not-too-distant future from the Premier of this great state. Uh, and to anybody out there that's heard Marco chat here and has a young man in their lives or knows of somebody, menofbusiness.com.au. You can go and learn all about the academy me targeting those year 11 and year 12 age students who who might be looking for a different path than the one that is traditionally offered. Marco, we really appreciate you giving us some time and congratulations again, mate, on the wonderful work you do and this uh, acknowledgement, this award is is truly uh, deserved. Thank you very much. I'm heading out for dinner tonight. I do have an event at the Avid Reader. It's called Bright Shining is the name of the book. Bright Shining, How Grace Changes Everything by Julia Baird. And it's like one of those readers that, you know, when the um, a publisher and the author sit in a room and usually in a library or in this case it's a bookstore and they talk about the book and the process and so you can go along and hear from the author and the publisher and it's a lovely way to do it but the thing is we're finishing here at this time mm. so close to six o'clock dinner reservation was for 5 45 p.m so, oh, so that was missed yeah start. missed the start of that so i'm probably missing the taramasalata because we're going to yamas <sighs> oh. greek and west end beforehand yeah. so 
15 minutes ago it started. So the, the starters are always good from Greek and I'm sad to miss that, but I'm trying to time it as well as possible that the minute we leave here and the minute we finished in a couple of minutes, mm. I'm going to race out this door. I'm going to try and get to West End as quickly as possible and I'm hoping I can scoop in Get my euros and off I go. Well, wow. I'm going to time it perfectly. So you'll you'll actually you've actually skipped all the waiting round. Yeah, you've just ordered pre-ordered. Yeah, I've put in my order already. The girl, my girlfriend's going to order my food for Which me. Which is what's the order? The you, euros. You love euros. nothing more than a foreplay. I do. Yeah. So a mixed grill uh, euros, like mm-hmm. with a chicken. Um, yeah, chicken and lamb and right. a bit of chippies in there and oh, Greek better. salad. It's just delish. So no starter? You haven't, you haven't well, reached Well, I'm probably going to miss it because they're okay. going to already have that. So 5.45. So 15 minutes ago, they probably ordered a bit of taramasalata and a bit of yeah. eggplant chippies Drink and order stuff. as well with it? I haven't done a drink order because I, I don't know that I'll have time, but um, I could probably do like a Greek wine or something. So best case scenario, you walk in my, the restaurant door. The waiter puts my food down. Yep. I sit and eat and then yep. we scoot off for six. Thirty for the event at the Avenida. Kind of like when you turn up to the airport, having already checked in, yes. and they're like, "Your plane is boarding." Yep, and you just you walk through security straight up to the boarding gate and boom, straight Bang. Bang. sit down. Yeah, I know. It's the that, idea. Look, that is the hope. Yep. And if everything goes right, it will be mm-hmm. perfection. If anything goes yeah. wrong... You're eating cold gyros. Yeah. <laughs> and I will be taking that away in a doggy bag on the way to you're, the event. You're, you're being judged by the entire West End as you walk down the street with your bag, with a gyros... Munching on a gyros. And a glass of wine. And a takeaway wine. There we go. Classy. Stay classy, West End. I am praying for the latter. All I'm saying is, for the sake of our show, he's hoping we have reports of Liesl Jones, four-time Olympic legend, and just scoffing garlic sauce um, and gyros I'll down the street. I'll have tzatziki and taro masalata all down my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Good luck, Jones. Uh, let's get out of here then so you can get to that wonderful dinner. Uh, as I said, tomorrow on the show, another chance to win your way to the Fortnite Australian PGA Championship and you could win a spot in the Masterclass as well. Liesl Jones. Ciao for now. Dobbo. Farewell, my neighbours. We will see you tomorrow at 4pm. This is Triple M's Rush Hour with Liesl Jones, Liam and Dobbo.